2: A Google search defines the word battle as a sustained fight between large organized armed forces. And that's what we are talking about today on Fantasy Football Today. The best backfield battles. The top five to to watch out for organized armed forces on the football field. Trying to figure out who's going to be atop the depth chart. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Chris Towers. Um... Chris, we uh, we have some disagreements about the list here of what should have made the top
1: five battles. Uh, but well, we'll, we'll just talk about. Yeah, that I'll one. just I'll just throw like you have Miami on there. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see any reason to think there's a battle there. I, I could be completely wrong. Maybe I'm totally underselling how much they like Ma- Malcolm Brown. But there was no uncertainty about Miles Gaskin's role when he was. All high right,
2: let's costume. bump them out. Let's bump them to the honorable mentions. Who's the new number five? You can pick a backfield. Uh, what are the top four again? Uh, so Dave gave me his three of his: Tampa Bay, San Francisco, and Denver.
1: Yeah, and then I put Atlanta in there. Um, what Arizona. Arizona is an right. obvious one. I mean, that was a team that produced. For as frustrating as it was, they produced a decent amount of running back production last season. Okay, Arizona
2: it is. Others we'll talk about Buffalo. Uh, Dave. Yeah, Buffalo should probably be in there, someone, too. You know what, Chris? You can't have everything you want. It's Maybe. top five, Chris, not a top, top six. six. Top five. It's but we will touch on all of them. And we also, we're also going to do an FFT in five episode after this to kind of address some of the debates that we weren't able to have on the full-length show. So that's why you need to listen to both Fantasy Football Today and Fantasy Football Today in five. I'm going to kick it off with an email. Kick it off. Good football. Transition there from Jeff in Lake Stevens, Washington. Doesn't that sound nice? Lake Stevens, Washington? It yeah. does. Yeah. Okay. Would love to hear your thoughts on your colleague, Chris Chapasso's article on Friday with the claim that Michael Carter will be the most productive rookie running back this year. Not sure I can agree with that, but I wanted to see what you thought. I saw that article. It was a good article. He ranked top five, Chris, because that's how we do lists. Uh, rookie running backs in terms of the the production he expects. And uh, yeah, he had Michael Carter number one, and he had Najee Harris number two, which was quite shocking. Dave, what do you think about that?
0: I think he's got a shot to be number two. I have a hard time believing he's going to be more productive than Najee, because I don't think he'll get as much work as Najee. And I don't think he's as accomplished of a running back, not taking anything away from him. He's a great runner. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He's a terrible pass blocker. Uh, I think that's going to limit his playing time. I think the philosophy, the offensive philosophy that I expect these new Jets coaches to have will also limit his playing time. I think a good year for him would be a thousand total yards and six touchdowns. But if I told yeah. you that Najee was going to get a thousand total yards and six touchdowns, you'd want to punch me in the face because that's not what you'd want from Najee Harris in his rookie year. Yeah.
1: yeah, like I think Carter is kind of in a similar boat to Devin Singletary and Zach Moss in Buffalo, where I think you you should be pretty confident he's going to split work. You know, hopefully you're looking at sixty percent of the snaps uh, at running back for the Jets. Um, but it probably won't be a great offense for anyone, but especially, you know, the running backs, depending on how much they use him in the passing game that the one thing that he does have going for him is at least in mini camp, he was getting more reps with the first team offense than any other running back. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah.
2: Who's to say that he doesn't just become the main guy. I'm not going to say he's going to be a, an every down back a 300 touch guy, but who's to say he's not 15 sure. plus touches a game. Yeah.
0: Right, and when you look at the other players that are in that backfield, right, y- you can kind of believe it because it's Tevin Coleman who's, eh, he knows what he's doing in yeah. that offense. He's familiar with that system. That's good for him, but I don't think he's anything special. I don't think that LaMichael P. Ryan is special. Ty Johnson could have some flair in the passing game. We saw that a little bit last season, but I think Carter is in line to be that that guy that you're talking about where he leads the way. And was really talented at UNC. He's, he's a good player.
2: Okay, so actually, Chris Trappaso he was ranking the five rookie running backs who will be the most productive in 2021. Number five was Javante Williams. Number four was Travis Etienne. Number three was Trey Sermon. And uh, number two was Najee Harris. Number one was Michael Carter. So that's not how we're going to have it ranked, but that's an interesting list from Chris Trappaso. Okay, we'll get into the top five backfield battles, but tonight there's a big battle going on Tuesday night on YouTube. A gathering of armed forces for some poker, fantasy football today. YouTube channel that is youtube.com/slash fantasy football today, and that is 7 p.m. Eastern tonight, Tuesday night. Courtesy of Faded Spade. So join us there at YouTube.com slash football today to watch our poker night. Faded Spade cards are the preferred playing cards of the World Poker Tour and poker players across the globe. So get your set for 20% off with the code FFT at FadedSpade.com. That's pretty cool. Need some cards? Go to FadedSpade.com and the code again is FFT. And we're giving away two free sets of cards during the show. Subscribe to the channel and we'll, we will see you on YouTube tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. And right into it. Here we go. Tampa Bay, can we agree they they should be on the list? I think they should be the top team.
1: Yeah, I think that's a legitimate battle. Okay, Um, good. That's a battle. I'm just not sure there's going to be a winner. (laughs) What's a battle?
2: Okay, so David... I I said that's a battle. I know. David, I've been laughing about a uh, Ralph Wiggum, what's a battle line. Look it up. Uh, Highlight for Tampa Bay's backfield In four games without Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones averaged 15 non- and 18 full PPR fantasy points. That's really good. That's top 10 good. In three games without Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette played even better, uh, averaged even more fantasy points. And that was two regular season games and one postseason game. In the draft that we did, uh, the one that we talked about on the mock draft episode on Monday, Fournette went in round eight, Ronald Jones in round nine, and Giovanni Bernard in round 13. Chris, you can have the first word here. Well, let me set you up like this. It is a battle, but the reason why I would object to this being number one is I don't know. There's a chance that one guy runs away with job without an injury, so I think this might just be kind of cruddy all year.
1: Yeah, I think you know it could be like a Pyrrhic victory kind of situation for whoever does win the battle because. What we saw last year was a very frustrating split between the two of them. There were times where Fournette looked like he was going to be the lead back. There were probably more times when Jones looked like the lead back. And uh, I know Fournette was really, really great in the postseason, but Jones was coming back from an injury. I'm not sure he was 100% healthy, so I think that's relevant. I think the biggest problem with this backfield, though, is it's kind of the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme. Uh Here. They're very similar players. Neither is a natural pass catcher. Um, Neither is a particularly good pass catcher. I know Fournette has had some seasons where he's put up decent reception numbers, but he's never been a particularly effective playmaker in the passing game. And so I think Giovanni Bernard's going to play a significant role. And I think that's going to be a complicating factor for this group. And I want no part of this backfield uh, unless I can get Fournette or Jones. Outside of the top 36 at running back, at least.
2: Also, if you could, I have a request if you could just stick to Spider Man historical references instead of King Pyrrhus of ancient
1: Greece, uh, that would be better for me. Did you not know? Do you not understand? I do never heard that.
2: No, I look Google's a great, great thing. (laughs) Pyrrhic victory. (laughs) I didn't think that was too tough. It's it is for me. So, (laughs) Dave, round eight for Fournette, round nine for Jones. And round 14 or 13 or 14 for Bernard.
0: And so I think that those are fair ADPs for all three of those running backs. I agree with Chris that Giovanni Bernard being there is going to be a problem for both of these running backs. And my hunch is that both of them make the team and that when one's cold, the other one goes in until that one's Mm -hmm. cold. And then they go back to the first guy. I think Ronald Jones kind of tells the defense what what the Bucks are thinking because he's not a pass protector. They, they now have a way he's not a passing downs player. He's a great runner for sure, but his hands stink, his blocking stinks. And I don't think the Bucs have to lean on him in those roles anymore. Whereas last year they may have tried to get him into those roles a little bit. I was encouraged by what I heard last offseason about Ronald Jones and why I was bullish on him becoming a three down back. When he got hurt, he was playing great. He was that lead mm-hmm. guy for Tampa Bay. And then Fournette came in and he just, he, he was great in the playoffs. I, I think that Fournette might have the first snap when they take 11 on 11 in training camp this summer. It doesn't mean he's going to be able to carry it all the way through to week one and then all the way through to the year. So, what about drafting both of them? Is that something that might interest you as a fantasy manager where you spend both picks to, to try and lock up that backfield and, and just get the running downs guys? Or do you just gravitate toward Geo and take him with a real late-round pick, hoping that he plays in that James White role? And we've seen Geo play well as a running back before. We know that he can handle rushing downs. Maybe he's the one that gets into more of a three-down role. While if It, it, it will happen if Jones and Fournette, both of them, Struggle slash get hurt, but really the 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 truth of it all is that these are running backs that you don't want to take too early on draft day. You don't want to sink a lot of draft capital into them because it's still an offense that's going to throw the ball successfully. And I don't know how much it really leaves for any one running
1: back to
0: hog up all the work. I think it's going to be three guys splitting it.
1: Yep, and and I think Jones and Fournette they're really only targets for me in like a zero RB build where. I'm just throwing darts starting in like the seventh round and I'm looking for upside because I think either one of them has upside. I just don't think it's, I don't think they both have upside at the same time. So that's where it gets confusing for me.
2: It would definitely, it would definitely be easier to ignore them if they were on a lousy or even an average offense. But the right. fact that this the, a... the Bucks might lead the NFL in scoring, and nobody should be surprised if that happens, uh, it makes it a little bit more difficult. And you, you hope maybe you get the guy who has the touchdown role. We don't know what that would be. You would probably think Fournette, but I would not...
0: imagine Fournette would have the edge early on.
2: I, the other, the last thing is, I'll, I just. But if just there are no at, huddle and Geo's in the game, then it's going
0: to be him. You just look at Fournette.
2: Yeah. What evidence is there that Fournette is better than Ronald Jones? To me, it's there's
1: zero except the playoffs last year, he was on fire. Right. But, but well, Ronald Jones was was amazing early in the season. I mean, he had that stretch of three straight 100-yard games. He had that, you know, the 192 game, there was the, what, 97-yard touchdown. Right, but right, right. Still, even if you take that out, that's 90-something yards. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, And they made Fournette inactive yeah, in week mm-hmm. 14, something like mm-hmm. that. And they gave
2: the keys to Jones, and then he got hurt. And we he had COVID, and Fournette, it opened the door back up for Fournette, but there was a point. Just remember, there was a point where they said, Ronald Jones, you are our running back. You're our guy. You're not necessarily going to cast the ball, but yeah. you're our guy. So,
0: Yeah, I, I bet that he's going to have to prove that all over again in training camp. All right, well, listen, yeah, guys. And same
2: thing with Fournette, and is going to get in there, too. We go to the second backfield, which is San Francisco. They drafted Trey Sermon, and if you look at ADP, if you look at our recent draft that we reviewed on Monday – if you wanted to lock up the, the Niners' backfield or the Bucks' backfield, the costs are pretty similar. It might be a round earlier for the Niners. Mostert went in round seven and, uh, and Sermon went in round eight as opposed to Fournette in round eight and Ronald Jones in round nine. But, Dave, what about that approach? Is it kind of the same thing with San Francisco? I think
0: I almost like it better because I think that's mm-hmm. a team that wants to commit to running the football more so than Tampa Bay, when you've got the greatest quarterback to ever play, you're going to want to lean on him. When you've got a rookie quarterback who played at the FCS level and a, a quarterback who's you know been okay as a starter but gets hurt a lot, you'd love to have a real good run game going. And Mostert, as long as he's healthy for week one, I think he'll be their primary back. You'll yeah. see some of Sermon. Once Sermon starts to get going, if he shows that he can play at this level – I imagine he could evolve into the lead back. There will always be multiple backs in this offense, but you want to have the one that's got the best shot at 15 touches, and if it happens to come with goal line carries on top of it, so be it. And that job, that job is wide open with Jeff Wilson on the shelf.
2: Chris, your read on this situation here. And when does Wilson do back? Second half of the year, if at all. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they might
0: redshirt him all year.
2: <laughs> yeah, he gets an extra year of eligibility. Uh, Chris, you're, you want to? What do you have to say about the um, about the Niners?
1: I don't really view this as a battle. Like Dave said, I think the expectation should be that Raheem Mostert is the lead running back entering the season, but there's going to be a role for Trey Sermon. You know, and if it's if if it wasn't you know for the Jeff Wilson injury, maybe there wouldn't be that role right away. Jeff Wilson looked pretty good last season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've seen in this offense the last few years is. Everyone they plug in looks great. I mean, do we remember Jamichael Hasty being the top waiver wire target at one point last season? Jeff Wilson was Raheem Mostert the year before. This has consistently been a team that just creates a ton of running back value because Kyle Shanahan is so good at scheming up running, rushing opportunities and getting them in space. So I, I think, you know, even in the first game of last season, Raheem Mostert was very good. I think he had the the long touchdown reception. He had 150 total yards. There were still 14 targets slash rush attempts combined for the other running backs in that game. So if that's Trey Sermon getting most of that, I think 10 touches a game, even as mosterts the lead back, is perfectly reasonable for Sermon.
0: Another thing that I just want to bring up, and this is just kind of the, the, the caution siren going off, is that Shanahan with the 49ers hasn't had a single 1,000-yard rusher He's only once given any of his running backs over 200 touches. That was Carlos Hyde in 2017, and that might have been out of necessity because guys kept getting hurt, uh, mainly yeah. most certain than other guys too. But he he and, and this is something to keep in mind for Sermon. And I've talked about it before. Shannon hasn't had a rookie running back earn over 200 touches in any year from 2014 through 2020. So Sermon is going to have to be really, really impressive and really, really good for him to de- over deliver on that fantasy ADP. What we're probably looking at is Mostert filling in as the starter. And then whenever Sermon's ineffective and Mostert's healthy, Mostert will be the guy. When Mostert goes down, Sermon and Gallman will probably battle for touches and maybe Sermon yeah. will be good then. Maybe Gallman, Gallman. Yeah. Gallman might Who be could? a guy that we have to reconsider in those deeper drafts because he's he was pretty good in short yardage, if I remember correctly, last year with the Giants. So I can double check that and, and get back to you on a future episode, but I think Gallman might have a, a path here to be moderately okay as a bench running back. How's that for tempering? Expectations? Great,
2: Dave. Very strong.
0: Uh, no, I mean uh, no one's going to take him in round ten unless something happens to Mostert or Sermon.
2: No, yeah. In
0: in August, right. no one's no one's drafting he, Wayne Gallman. But great, best. He ball might pick. have a role. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When great best drafting ball pick, eighteen great pick in it.
1: Yeah, in a league like Scott Fishbowl, where you've got really deep benches, I think um, Gallman is a really nice deep sleeper.
0: Plus, Adam gets to play the music.
2: Uh, What music? For Wayne Gallman. No idea. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, Highlight for the Niners backfield 36 running back rushing touchdowns in their last two seasons. That is a lot. All right, Denver is on this list, number three. It's really no no particular order, but this one is really interesting because you know for Sermon, he's go Sermon's being drafted ahead of Mostert and NFC ADP. Um, uh, Fournette's being drafted ahead of Ronald Jones. Again, like I said, we don't have a ton of evidence that Fournette's better than Ronald Jones. We have no evidence that Sermon's better than Raheem Mostert, who, by the way, is one of the fastest players, the fastest running backs with the ball in his hand. Had the fastest carry by a running back last year. He ran over 23 miles per hour. And now in Denver, Melvin Gordon coming off a pretty good year, as Heath always points out. But there's so much momentum for Javante Williams, and he's definitely going to go ahead of Melvin Gordon as of right now, as of June 28th. Uh, in the draft that we did a couple of weeks ago that we keep re- referencing PPR league, Javante Williams was the last pick of round six. And Melvin Gordon was the, was in round eight Javante in round six, Melvin Gordon in round eight. And Chris, this team, Melvin Gordon, and Philip Lindsay last year, the highlight to know about the Denver backfield. They combined for nearly 1500 rushing yards on 333 carries and 10 touchdowns. So they ran the ball pretty well, those two. Just, you know, there was that ugly split. But what's, uh, what's your read on that ADP? Well, let's not call it ADP. What's your read on where they went in the draft that we did? Javante Williams, last pick of round six, Melvin Gordon in round eight.
1: I don't think there's much reason for Williams to go ahead of Melvin Gordon, certainly not a couple of rounds ahead of him. My, my assumption going into the season is that Melvin Gordon's going to be the lead back at least to start. And, you know, it's the kind of thing, well, well, well Javante, Javante Williams could take the job as things go, but like Melvin Gordon's a good player, you know he's been a lead running back his entire career. Um, so I don't think there's any guarantee that Javante Williams becomes the lead running back. I think he's a a decent like if I could get him in the eighth round, I think that would be really good. But if I, if you're talking about having to make a fifth or sixth round selection, which I think is what it's going to end up being more often than not, I'm probably out on Javante Williams just because. One, he was never a lead back in uh, college at UNC. He was splitting time with Michael Carter, obviously, and that's not a knock against him, but it's also we know Melvin Gordon can do it. We know Melvin Gordon can carry the ball 15 times and get four or five targets a game, um, you know, and be a good player. We don't know that about Javante Williams.
0: What we know about Melvin Gordon is that he averaged 12 and a half PPR points per game last year. That was good for the twenty third best among running backs. Six games out of 15 with 15-plus 15 in PPR. Four came in the final seven weeks of the season. Over the past two seasons, he's had 15 or more PPR points in 11 of 29 games. That's not very consistent. And that was before Javante Williams went to Denver. He's also 28 years old. It's mm-hmm. not fun to draft Melvin Gordon. It's not exciting. No. And it feels like if you draft Melvin Gordon, it's, it's like having a bomb on your team that eventually explodes and you're left with dust at running back because Javante Williams will eventually get an opportunity. And even when he gets the opportunity to be the primary guy, he might still be sharing. They've, the Broncos have talked multiple times this offseason yeah. about using multiple running backs. It, it makes me nervous to take any of them, but Javante's more fun. He's he's a three-down player already. They're encouraged by how he's doing in past drills so far. I, I I have a feeling that he can end up being quite easily the best running back in Denver this year.
1: But isn't there a better chance that the guy being drafted in the sixth round is the bomb that blows up rather than the guy being drafted in the eighth round? It's possible, of course, but... Like, if Melvin Gordon I blows I think his up. upside is higher than Melvin's. I think if
0: he gets the type of work that Melvin's been getting, and Gordon has gotten a bunch of games lately with 15-plus touches, if, if Javante lands that role by October, you'll be happy to have him on your team, even if it's a little bit of a stretch to do so at the end of round six.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's certainly possible, but it does strike me as a little bit of the mystery box versus a boat thing. Like Javante Williams could be anything. (laughs) He could even be Melvin Gordon. Right, right, right. You know, maybe I'm underselling him. Maybe I'm overselling Melvin Gordon. But it it just strikes me as the like, this is the new flashy thing. And Melvin Gordon is the former new flashy thing that is no longer flashy. But we know he's pretty good. We know he's been good. He's
0: given you at least nine total touchdowns five straight years. He's given you at least 75 total yards per game five straight years. Can he do it for a sixth with a rookie running back nipping at his heels and another running back in Mike Boone, who's familiar with the offense? He knows they are talking about him. They are talking about this is another good best ball guy. Yeah, you know, you might want to even take him ahead of Wayne Gallman. Mm. Mm. Adam.
2: Feels uh like feels like a Pyrrhic victory to me.
0: That's that's what I was looking for earlier, Adam. <laughs> Okay, That's the Gallman Pyrrhic music victory. I was hoping for. You
2: know what I'm looking for now, Dave? Because you said the word fun like 600 times. Uh, do people still eat Fun Dip? That's what you think of? Schrager, you ever had Fun Dip? Uh, yeah, Fun Dip. Yeah,
1: classic Halloween candy. Like, your mom doesn't want you to eat it, but yes. I, gonna that's gonna it's not a Halloween candy. you said
2: that about your mom.
1: That's like a high-end Halloween candy. I don't know. Love to lick a piece of chalk and dip it <laughs> into sugar. It's disgusting. Just an incredible candy. <laughs> Sugary chalk. It's great. I just like. Do people? I don't know.
2: It's. it's Would you rather though? have fun dip or draft Melvin Gordon? I don't
1: I'll know what it is.
2: Dip. It just feels like there was one report that was like Javante Williams could be the the lead running back by week one.
0: Right, but that wasn't that wasn't a report. That was like reporter
2: speculation. Okay, there was one reporter speculation. It just feels like. The arrows going down feel for Melvin like Gordon. Royce Freeman with Javante Williams. Yeah, no, because people think that Javante Williams is the best running back in his class. Some people do. And I yeah. don't think people were saying that about Royce Freeman. It, it feels more about Melvin Gordon. It just he just I, I know the yards per carry were good last year, but it just doesn't seem like he's that good of a. I don't know. It just doesn't seem that way. Like people consider him to be a very good running back anymore. So.
1: I have my eye well, on this Yeah, one. he's played six years in the in the NFL, and he's seven years in the NFL, and he's no longer a superstar. So once you've once you've been around for a while and you're not a superstar anymore, you're trash. That's just like <laughs> we're we we skip straight over. There is no like oh this guy's still pretty good. It's like. If well, when this guy back, gets a touch, it is. that is kind of how if it this is. If I get one touch, I'm going to burn the stadium down. But it's, it's, that is he, how the fantasy community talks about a guy like Melvin. Gordon. He feels like if he's if we're going to give him the you know if we're going to give running backs the Todd Gurley award
2: for falling off the cliff or whatever, he feels like the the front runner right yes. now, the shortest odds. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. Let's Maybe. take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Is this a battle? Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data
2: rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
0: Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner.
2: Why are they keeping you here?
0: Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount+, Plus only with the Paramount+, Plus with Showtime plan. All
2: right, the Atlanta Falcons. Right now, Mike Davis sitting pretty, so it would seem. He took him in the fourth round in that draft that we talked about. Don't hear a lot of talk about Kadri Olison these days. Davis, is this a backfield battle in Atlanta?
0: No, I think Mike Davis is going to be the primary running back. But I do think this is a team that's looking for a second back to claim the work that Mike Davis doesn't get and potentially challenge Mike Davis for the first role. But I think that that's two steps away. They just want a back to compliment Mike Davis first. And so they've got all these, these, these guys that are, they might be good at like one or two things, but there's nobody that's as complete as Davis, and that's what gives Davis the edge. But there, there's still things I don't love about Mike Davis. He's 28 oh, years old. Last year, his first three games were outstanding. It was like 24 points per game in PPR. And then the Panthers started taking work away from him, didn't have a lot of really good fantasy games through the next 10 games that he played. And now he's going, it's a different team now in Atlanta. But I, I still am a little worried about Mike Davis coming through after changing teams, being an older running back, and never really having a track record of playing a considerable amount of time until last season.
1: I think he's the definition of a jag. Like mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, when you talk about the the Melvin Gordon teeth gnashing every time he gets a touch, let's not forget that it's. You know, the first two weeks of the 2019 season, Fantasy Football Twitter was ready to march Matt Nagy out of town because he was giving Mike Davis touches uh, (laughs) instead of David Montgomery. So I think he's just a guy. I think the situation in Carolina and the way they use their running backs was why he was valuable last season. And I I don't have any reason to believe Atlanta is going to be that kind of situation. Um, I think he could be fine, but I, I look at him as... One of those guys who ranks relatively highly in projections because, well, he doesn't have any competition for touches or we're projecting him to be the lead back, but he's not actually that good. And if he averages three yards per carry through the first three games, he could be a complete afterthought by week five.
0: He was three and a half yards per carry in those last 10 games of 2020. 10.9 PPR points per game in those last 10 games. Yeah, In 2020, and his 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 targets went down. He was getting 8.3 targets per game in the first three games where he was replacing Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Three starts, I should say. And then the next 10, it was down to 3.7. So, uh, obviously, there's something there that this coaching staff likes about Mike Davis. Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed him. They would have solved their running back issue another way. But I, I don't know if he's really... He's not going to be Derrick Henry, for crying out loud. He's not going to get the work that Derrick Henry got there, there's Kadri Allison on this roster. Um, I, I think that that might be uh, Cordero Patterson is there, and there's talk that they want to use him more as a running back and less as a as a wide receiver. They're gonna they're gonna make use of these guys and um, adapt to what they have. That's that's been the Arthur Smith way. The other thing I'll bring up, and people don't like me talking about the schedules, but here's something you might want to know about Mike Davis to begin the season. It's Philadelphia in week one at Tampa Bay in week two, at the Giants in week three, Washington at home in week four. Do not be upset if you miss out on Mike Davis on draft day because you might have a chance to get him even cheaper in trade by the time October comes around. That's
2: a very good point. And this is the time when a guy is, is, when someone has a somewhat tenuous grip on the job, maybe he doesn't, but maybe he does, you don't want to see a tough schedule to start. That's the kind of thing that can lose them the
0: job. And there there are tougher schedules out there, but I graded it as among the worst, second worst among early schedules for running backs.
2: Yeah. I'm not really sure how Philadelphia's run defense is going to look. That it's might be his best matchup. pretty good. Yeah. Giants, again, I, I think that will be good. It won't be, they lost a pretty key piece, but Tampa Bay should be, again, among the best. Washington's going to be really tough to run on. So that's, that's not good. Um... Okay. And that's that is Atlanta. So when would you finish it off? When would you be comfortable taking Mike Davis?
0: Well, after um, Miles Gaskin, for sure. Get yes. Gaskin off the board. Um, round five as one of the last RB2s
2: ahead of Javante Williams, for sure. Yeah. For now, yes. Head of the Bucks, guys. So he's the highest-end guy that we've talked about so far. Would you go um, Kareem Hunt or uh, Mike Davis?
0: I think I'll take Davis.
2: I think that's fair. All right, let's talk about Arizona. This is a good one here. I actually really loved the running back value, uh, the draft value for James Connor. Just going to take a look here. James Connor went with the second pick of round nine in the PPR draft we did. Couple of weeks ago, and Chase Edmonds went. Oh, to RJ, same guy. He took them both. So we took Chase Edmonds at the end of round six, and he took James Connor at the beginning
1: of round nine. This is the Scott Fishbowl draft we're talking about, right? No, no, this is just
2: okay. Regular. This was from two weeks ago okay, on okay. Uh, on YouTube. Um, yeah. So, what do you think about that, Chris? Locking them both up, but Connor in round nine and uh, late round six pick. For just ahead of Javante Williams for RJ?
1: Um, I prefer the Connor value. I'm not sure Edmonds is ever going to be a lead back, and my expectation would be Edmonds is in the Edmonds role and James Connor is in the Kenyon Drake role, and I think that's valuable for both of them, and both can be viable fantasy starters, but um, I don't see that big of a gap between the two of them in my... In my rankings, I'm pretty sure I have them, if not back-to-back, very close. Back-to-back. Connor, one spot ahead of Edmonds at 27 and 28.
0: I think it takes a little guts to do that, just because we've seen Connor not play 16 games yet. He's missed at least three games each of the last three seasons. Mm -hmm. And this is a team that they use their running backs a decent amount. They're middle of the package last year. At least they were middle of the package. But Kyler's there. That could always take some work away from both of them. Edmonds didn't even play 50% of the snaps last year and he had over 50 catches. He had over 850 total yards. I think he can play a little bit more and get to a thousand total yards. I think five touchdowns is within the realm of possibility. And I think 50 catches is within the realm of possibility. Now, what does that leave left over when you consider those numbers plus what Kyler does for James Conner when he's healthy? I I feel like he's going to be a touchdown needy running back. Yeah. who will get 11, 11 carries a game. Sure, but yeah. but I think Edmonds cuts in a little bit more than what we saw last year. I think they're going to give him a little bit more of a chance to play in this offense because he gives I, them a little bit more explosiveness.
1: Yeah, the thing I struggle with, and I'm not sure if this is fair, but you know, last season, the talk in the first half of the season was why don't they give Chase Edmonds more work? Kenyon Drake is a stiff. Edmonds is clearly better. And then they did get give Edmonds that opportunity in the Miami game when Drake was out with an injury and Edmonds looked a lot like Kenyon Drake did in -hmm. that game. And so, um, I'm, I just think they're pretty, pretty similar in value in terms of what they bring to the Cardinals offense. I think Connor's just a a better rusher and Edmonds will, you know, be in a similar role to last year, more work than last year. I think that's entirely possible. Um, I just, I have I have trouble getting too excited about either necessarily, as long as they're healthy.
2: Again, I I just really can't stand fading running backs on good offenses, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but it that's what that's why this is difficult. But last year, you probably would have been in good shape if you had faded the Cardinals' running backs. You know, you had what really killed Kenyon Drake was the beginning of the season before Kyler Murray's injury. He kept scoring these touchdowns, and Drake would line up in the backfield and <laughs> be a play fake, and then Kyler, you know the, the zone read, and Kyler would run it right in. It, you just needed him to score the touchdown. If he didn't score the touchdown, you were—I don't—I'm just saying off the top of my head—we would get like sixty yards. You know, big deal. Um, but if Connor can play that role and get a little bit more consistent touchdown opportunities, because Drake got a lot of them later in the season, then he's then he's you know. Certainly worth a ninth-round pick. People are sleeping on him if that's the case. And Edmonds did have that game against the Giants a couple of years ago where he had 27 carries, like 130 yards, and he scored touchdowns. He has three like touchdowns. one of those a year. Well, that was when David Johnson played two snaps or something. He had 27 carries. He had three rushing touchdowns. Then the following week against New Orleans, he had seven carries for eight yards. So he's really had three games where he's had an opportunity, and one of them was incredible. The Dolphins game that Chris mentioned was 25 carries for 70 yards. Not very good. And then the Saints game in 2019 was awful. But that was the Saints. They were ridiculous against the run. But we, I guess we're kind of... My point is this thought that Chase Edmonds can't be a lead back is kind of based solely on the Miami game. I really feel like a lot of people oh. are like, see?
1: Whereas Cliff Kingsbury keeps talking about how he could be a lead back. Right, but he talked about him as that that way last year too in the off season, and then he never used him that way. I'm not saying he can't be a lead back. My my thought was more, my point was more that we kept, you know, screaming about give Edmonds a chance, give Edmonds a chance. Drake is terrible, and then it, you know I, I think it was more about the offense and the the situations that they were being asked to run in Drake rushing in fewer obvious brushing situations than... Or Edmonds rushing in fewer obvious run situations, so that makes it easier to run uh, for, you know, a third and seven draw is easier to pick up six yards on than a first and 10 dive. Um, so I just... I don't know. I think they're... I, I think it's going to be a split, I guess is my point. And I don't think Edmonds is going to be like a 15 carry per game guy.
2: Okay. All right. So what other what other um, backfields should we be looking at, Dave?
0: Well, we can start with one that's just, it's almost not even worth bringing up, but the Patriots. And what do you do with these guys? Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson and James White, and who knows who else can come out of the woodwork. As long as Cam's the quarterback there, I really don't have any interest in any of them uh, unless I'm doing a long-term stash. And you might be able to draft Damian Harris late enough to you do that, where you keep them on your team for the first four weeks of the season and see what happens. Once Mac Jones becomes the quarterback, I might be a lot more interested in whichever running back seems to be the lead guy there. But for now, I think that's going to be Harris. The Patriots are always going to be a team that plays the hot hand and who's running well in practice. We just we're never going to be privy to that stuff.
1: Would you be surprised to learn that the Patriots had the fourth most fantasy points for running backs last season?
2: You're talking yeah, about surprising. Cam Newton as a running but you're, back. But are you including right? No, <laughs> running backs. Uh, yes, I actually would be stunned to know that.
1: It's true. It's not true. You're lying to everyone. Uh, maybe I'm doing this wrong, but you're all hopped up on Fun Dip right now. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that, maybe I'm doing the numbers wrong. Then no, but no. That's I, what I, I got believe here. you. I believe you. Uh, that's wild. Sonny Michelle and, them and Harris both had
0: 373 fantasy points in PPR. James White, Rex Burkett, Damian Harris, Sony Michelle, J.J. Taylor.
2: Yeah. Dave, I think Dave should reconnect. Let's have Dave reconnect so we don't get another football, 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 football uh, episode and the joys of working from home. All right. Well, yeah, I, I look, I think Damian Harris and James White are the only ones that people are drafting, maybe Stevenson late. Yeah, like Stevenson went in round 14, whatever. He's gigantic. He's like LeGarrette Blount. Um, you know, White's, White is James White. He's got his role. Harris has really shown some promise and had a very low touchdown rate last year. And Cam Newton scored 12. So I've made the point that if Mac Jones is the quarterback, that might actually help Damian Harris. People will say, well, he won't run for as much yards per carry. Sure, that might be true. I still think he can be good in yards per carry. I think he could be a good running back, and then he could score some goal line touchdowns because he doesn't have Cam Newton to contend with. Chris, give me another... So so basically, I'm looking for, for Harris, and I don't really care much about James White, to be perfectly honest, but I suppose he could be a nice little outlet for Mac Jones. I just don't really like pass-catching running backs that barely ever score. Chris, uh... You don't think the Dolphins are a backfield battle?
1: I mean, it's possible. I forgot are, if we said this
2: on the air or off the air, but
1: yeah, I, I think it's possible they are, but Miles Gaskin played 61% of the snaps in all 10 games he played last season. The 3 games that Sa- Savon Ahmed started without Miles Gaskin around, he played at least 61% of the snaps. I they didn't show last season that they thought they needed another running back. Or that Miles Gaskin wasn't good enough. Maybe they don't think he can do it after you know the injuries he suffered through last season. But I don't think you bring in Malcolm Brown to battle for a starting job. I think you bring Malcolm Brown in to be Malcolm Brown, which is handle some passing downs work when you you know want to keep a blocker in. Maybe pick up some goal line touchdowns. That was one place that Miles Gaskin you know didn't look great last season. He is pretty small, so it's possible that that's what Ma- Malcolm Brown's role is, and he can be fantasy relevant in that role. But I don't see much reason to, um, you know, to view Miles Gaskin as anybody but the clear anything but the clear back in Miami.
2: Let's see if Dave is back.
1: Dave. Hi.
2: Do you want to do you want to give your quick thoughts on the quick thoughts Miami backfield? We don't know what it's going to be. We think it's
0: going to be Miles Gaskin, but they're changing offensive coordinators. I think this offense is going to try and morph into more of a pass-friendly version of what we saw last year. The, their additions at wide receiver certainly suggest that. New play caller this year. Nothing's guaranteed. I'll take Gaskin for now as, as the lead running back, and I would take him over Mike Davis for now. But that's one that can change quickly depending on what we see in camp and what we see in the preseason.
2: Do you guys think that
1: Jacksonville or Buffalo are battles? <laughs> Buffalo for sure is. They, they've said that. that That's, you know, the, the coach, the offensive coordinator, pretty much everyone has said, we don't have a lead running back right now. We're not going to name one going into training camp. And based on how they used them last year, that's that's pretty logical. I know Sing, uh, uh, Moss did kind of take on a lead role last season, but I'm not sure he ever, did he play more than like 60% of the snaps in any games last season? Mm, I'm not sure. I'm just,
0: I'm worried about Zach Moss staying on the field. He's been in the NFL one year and he's already had three injuries. Yeah. Popped up and that was his problem at Utah. Like he was this awesome running back. He would create yards through his physical nature, but he would consistently get hurt. So I'm nervous about him being healthy. I'm worried about Devin Singletary making a jump to being a lead back. I I loved him coming out of FAU. He was also a yards creator, but he hasn't quite delivered consistently enough. They add Matt Burita, who's got speed. Like that's something that I don't know the other two running backs really have, but he's also had issues staying healthy. This could be a team that just continues to revolve around Josh Allen under the, under
1: the heading of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This has been, the least valuable offense in football for running backs over the last three seasons. Last season, I, I did fix my numbers. New England was 10th in running back points last season. Ah, which is now that I believe fourth, but Still pretty impressive. Um, yeah. Buffalo was 31st, just ahead of Pittsburgh, and they have not ranked higher than 30th in any of the three seasons wow. Josh Allen's been in the NFL. And it makes sense. Josh Allen is a mobile quarterback who doesn't throw to his running backs very often. He's the best goal line player on that team, and he he's consistently taking goal line touchdowns. And last season they were one of the pass heaviest teams in the NFL. And it wasn't just because they were, you know, blowing teams out early. In neutral situations, I think they had the third highest pass rate last season. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, just it's interesting. Frankly, it
0: is 60% I, with Zach Moss, by the way.
1: Yes, yeah, 60% was his highest. Uh he had another one at 59%. But he never had more than 13 carries down the stretch in that stretch where he you know, did emerge as the lead back. His season high was 14. He never had more than three or four targets in a game. Um, I just think it's going to be Singletary handles the passing downs and gets eight carries a game, and Moss gets the rushing downs, and gets 12 to 13 in an offense that doesn't produce fantasy points for running backs. So I'm letting them fall to me. If Devin Singletary's there at 100th overall, I can take Devin Singletary, but there's just I don't see any reason to make getting Zach Moss or Devin Singletary a priority.
2: Okay, and then for Jacksonville, do you guys? This is really interesting. Do you guys see a scenario where where Travis Etienne? I, mean, I don't think I could see a scenario unless there's an injury, obviously, where Robinson is working a lot in the passing game. It seems like that's what they really want from Etienne. But is there a scenario where Travis Etienne is working a lot in the running game and he's a three down back, Dave?
0: Yes, that would happen if James Robinson struggles as the traditional running back. Think back to that Saints offense when Mark Ingram was there and Ingram was a player that was spry and like, you know, under the age of 30. He was the traditional running back. He was capable of catching passes. They didn't call on him to do much of that. But Alvin Kamara could catch passes and get out in space and be an airback. And I think that that's what ETN is going to end up being. ETN has a more, I think it's more likely that ETN eats into Robinson's work than Robinson eats into ETN's work. I think the only way that the latter happens is if ETN gets hurt. But I think I'm starting to warm up to Robinson more and more. I said it last week, maybe the week before. But he's starting to slowly move back up into my rankings, and by the time we get to the, the middle of August, he might end up being a low-end number two running back for me. This I'm is an offensive line that's okay. He can certainly come through for touchdowns, and maybe he does catch one or two passes per game to help pad those PPR numbers.
1: I was shocked to see James Robinson's 24th in running back ADP since the NFL draft at NFC. I figured he would have tumbled. Um, I yeah, think- I'm kind of glad he's there. Yeah, one thing that I think is worth keeping in mind is that if uh, Kadarius Toney had been there, Urban Meyer said he would have taken him instead of Travis Etienne. That was the guy they wanted. And so, you know, obviously I don't think that means they're going to use Travis Etienne like they would have used Kadarius Tony. But I think that shows that they were looking for a playmaker on offense. They weren't necessarily looking for, we need our James Robinson replacement. And so I think you're going to see Travis Etienne used like you said, more is the, the Alvin Kamara type of player, splitting out wide uh, in the backfield next to James Robinson. I don't think that there's necessarily not room for both of them. I don't necessarily think both should be RB2s, which is where they're be, being drafted right now, but um, I, I think there's room for both of them to succeed.
0: Seven and a half carries per game for Kamara, his rookie year. Wouldn't surprise me in the least if that's what we saw for ETN overall. In 2021, it could be his first month could be five carries per game. And then it kind of balloons as the season goes on a little bit more.
2: Let me ask you, what's better value? Travis Etienne, 48th overall, last pick of round four, or James Robinson, 95th overall. That's deep into round eight.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the safer bet is Robinson at that ADP. That's PPR, by the yeah. way. Yeah, at that cost, it better it's be Robinson. PPR because if it's not PPR, it's no question it's Robinson. Yeah.
2: All right. And let's read some emails. We'll do more backfield battles on fantasy football today in five. Your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Kyle from Columbus, Ohio is in a 12 team PPR league. He says, I start two running backs and two wide receiver slash tight end spots and one. Flex, wide receiver, tight end, or running back. So he does not need a tight end. I have picks 12 and 13, and I think the players available will be Jonathan Taylor, really, Akers, Harris, Mixon, Ridley, Diggs, and Kelsey. We didn't read this email in a prior podcast. I don't think so. Okay. I think we did. Maybe it was an Apple podcast question. Sometimes they do both. Um. Well, what would you do? because i remember taylor being
0: like the obvious all right
2: i think you're right no don't go zero rb go taylor and who not kelsey because it's you don't need a tight end
1: i i think i would probably go taylor and mixon and not worry about running back again until like the 10th round i I think think that's probably the way to go just double up on those guys if if you like Najee harris you can't you
0: can't let him go past you with Taylor. And that would be a nice combo that you can keep for a while. All
2: That's right, Let's right, to Tim a keeper Weldon. League? Um, is this know. just
0: the players that he thinks will be there? Just the players yeah. that'll be there. Okay. So it's not, do not go zero RB. If it's not a keeper league, it, I, honestly, it doesn't even matter. I, I think I like it, Take your pick from Akers or Harris along with Taylor.
2: Okay. 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 From Tim Weldon. Greetings from a city in the heart of bourbon country.
1: Murphy's bro.
2: Okay. Hey, Troy Jones, Nelson, and Winter. Hint probably only listeners schooled in British television will get this. Well, that's not me. And I don't get it. Can you explain? This is such a silly email. Can you explain? (laughs) Sorry, Tim. Can you explain why almost everyone seems to regard McCaffrey as a no brainer, number one or number two (laughs) overall? Given that he's coming off a significant injury, has a new quarterback, plays on a team that I believe will be playing from behind more often than not, I'm having a hard time putting him in my top five overall picks. What am oh, I no. missing? Tim. Well, Christian McCaffrey
0: is giving you at least 15 PPR points in 30 of his last 35 overall games. If 15 PPR points isn't enough for you, let's make it 20. He's done that in 27 of his last 35 games, a 77% success rate, 25 of his last 29 games. Overall, 86% of the time in his last 29 games, he's given you at least 20 PPR points. He says he's at hundred percent. He's going to continue to see the majority of work at running back for his team. They've got a top five strength of schedule rating for the first four weeks of the season. He is going to get off to a great start. He is a candidate for over 2000 total yards. He is a nice guy with really good-looking arms.
1: Yeah, it's true. Now stop talking about me. Uh, he's yeah. one of the best fantasy running backs of all time. Perfectly said. And he's 25. Next email.
2: Andrew from Champa Bay. Oh, that is obnoxious. Dear, but it's true. It is true. Dear Nathan, Kenyon, Francis, and Aubrey. Oh,
1: that's good. Those are Drake's. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, Nathan Drake from Uncharted. Yeah, great good. video games. Good, good. Uh,
2: we always hear you guys talk about dynasty leagues, and I'm interested in starting a new dynasty league with 10 to 12 teams. What would you say is the optimal setup?
1: Um, if you're doing a a, a legitimate dynasty league, you're talking about, I think you know, especially if it's a 10 or 12 team league, deep starting lineups and deep benches. You probably want. 25 players total rostered for every team, uh, if not more than that. I think two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, two flexes is a, is a nice way to build a dynasty league right now. What is Flam it? Down, Say it again. Chris. Say it again. Two RB, three wide receiver, one tight end, two flex, and any super flex. You could do a super flex. You could do two QBs. I think you know in a dynasty league that does it makes uh, you know it adds a little more strategy to the QB position if you're only playing one QB even in a dynasty league it, it you know still really uh, minimizes the value of the position
0: Yeah, I like it better if you're going to go just 10 teams to do a super flex or 2QB mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. get to 12 it's a little bit harder don't know if you want to make it a hassle for everybody else in the league
2: last question real quick how many players do you keep all of them 20 of them
0: dynasty you keep everybody
2: you don't yeah, have if you're to doing keep, dynasty, everybody. You keep
0: everyone. Yeah, anything where you're not keeping everybody no. is a keeper league. No. That,
2: yeah. No, because uh, Yeah. That's no, I'm but You can in, do a, I am in a dynasty league, right? With contracts and I have to give players up yeah. and then there's franchises and you can extend some players, but then we have a free yeah. agent draft, so you don't have to keep everyone, but you can. But keep
1: that's everyone. a lot for someone who's playing in a dynasty league for the first time and st- really probably establishing though. a dynasty league with people who've never played in a dynasty league. I think you probably just want to do I mean, maybe you don't, maybe you keep it's a 25 man roster and you keep 20
2: yeah, I mean, every year, so you football. have to have
1: some turnover. Right. You can't have
2: football teams can't keep everyone. You got to have some type of constraint.
1: All right. Right. Is from but that constraint's usually like, you know, the rookie draft. If you want to be able to draft rookies, you got to drop guys. That's Fair. part of it, too. All
2: mm-hmm. right. This is from Jim. Um, would you keep Stefan Diggs in the sixth round or Antonio Gibson in the ninth round? PPR. Love
0: Diggs. But love the value on Gibson there a little bit more.
2: I think that's fair. And from Tony in Sacramento Dear Mo, Larry, and Curly, I know them. 14 team keeper of the half PPR. Each team only keeps one player uh, for the previous year's draft value. J.K. Dobbins in round three or Josh Allen in round five? It's half PPR, it's 14 teams, and it's six point per passing touchdown. J.K. Dobbins in round three or Josh Allen in round five?
1: Supply and demand uh, with running
0: backs makes me want to lean toward Dobbins.
1: Yeah, I, I don't necessarily love the value for either of them, but I'm lower on Dobbins than pretty much everyone.
2: It's 14 um, teams, I, though. Keep
1: that in mind. Yeah, I do think Dobbins probably, although, Allen, you know, QB, we love the depth of it, but there's a pretty set hierarchy of like seven ish guys that we think are clearly better than everyone else and having one of them in a 14 in a team league can give you an edge
2: okay well that's it for today's show
1: make sure you listen to fantasy football today in five for more
2: backfield battles and check us out playing some poker tonight tuesday night 7 p.m eastern youtube.com slash fantasy football today thanks for listening everybody back tomorrow with another with another top five